chapter 8. And um, if you will forgive me, I am revisiting something that I um, preached from several months ago and um, explain a little more about that uh, toward the conclusion. In Romans chapter 8 <clears throat> and beginning in verse 1. Bible says there there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit and uh, preach to you on this subject <clears throat> about the removal of condemnation Let's ask the Lord to touch us here tonight. Lord, your presence, Lord, is to be desired. Your presence, God, is, Lord, to be entreated, is to be sought after. And I ask you, Lord, tonight, Jesus, build our faith, Lord, with your word. I pray, Lord, tonight that every lie of the enemy, and that, Lord, that your word would pierce and it would destroy and tear down every stronghold and fortress that is built in our minds and in our spirits. We know, Lord, that we have power over sin, and therefore we have power, Lord, over the condemnation that the enemy would bring to us. I ask you, Lord, tonight, God, to minister to every soul in this sanctuary. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Certainly, again, appreciate the spirit of the Lord that I feel here in this place here tonight. And uh, the Lord is, is good to us. I uh, <clears throat> want to point out some things here tonight uh, from this passage of Scripture. We have to realize again, and I, I know I have recently walked through this Scripture, um, but, but again, it is a very important matter that you understand how that the Spirit of God works in every one of our lives. It's something that it brings to us, I believe, and I think, I hope, that some of this is spiritual maturity, that the older that we get, the longer that we serve the Lord, that there is a faith that is shored up, and that there is a solid foundation that we have under our feet as we serve the Lord. This scripture, this this chapter here, I 
mentioned to you in the past that we find throughout the Roman letter uh, that the word Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, sometimes just the word Spirit alone is mentioned 26 times in the book of Romans. When you get to chapter 8, 19 of those times, it's found there in that chapter. And so Paul emphasizes that. He, he moves from Romans chapter 7 where he talks about the challenge. And even in Romans 6 that you can look and, and somehow, somehow understand that there is the potential for sin to try to dominate us in our flesh. But Paul brings in that there is that hope that we have in the spirit of life. And so all of the anguish is defeated whenever Paul comes to Romans 8 and begins to express to us about what takes place when a saint of God or a child of God can somehow be a born-again believer. I mentioned this several times while that I was preaching through this chapter a number of weeks ago and and that is that this is that this chapter sometimes makes people uh, nervous. And the reason that it makes people nervous is because when you read it in its context, you understand that there is an assurance of salvation that Paul brings in to everyone that believes. I would say here from the outset here tonight that this Bible that we read, it's not a Baptist Bible, it's not a Presbyterian Bible. It's not a charismatic Bible, and for that matter, I would say it's not even a Pentecostal Bible. The Bible is the words of the Lord. And so whenever you begin to read the words of the Lord, there is a clear understanding that we have to let the context establish what we understand from this particular book. And so Paul comes along and he says, I want you to know that the Spirit is actively working in your life. Then you're going to experience what is expressed in the first four verses of that chapter there. And that's this, is that there is no context condemnation. The Spirit works uniquely in our lives in the fact that it does not bring condemnation to us, but rather it brings conviction to us. And whenever there are things that enter into our lives and our minds and our spirits, that if you are filled with the Holy Ghost, then you begin to feel that gentle tug of the convicting voice of the Spirit of God. And I have to say tonight that I am thankful for that Spirit that comes into my life as the Spirit speaks to me. And, and you see here that in the beginning of Romans chapter 8, that it starts out and says there is no condemnation. But by the time you get to the end of Romans chapter 8, here's what you find, that there is no separation. The fact is, is that the Lord has somehow put things into our lives that helps me to understand that salvation is not nearly as fragile as what the enemy would try to make me to believe. And so I want to walk through this here tonight. I will say that there is a penalty that comes to those that are not saved. In fact, Paul speaks to that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. 
He says it like this. He says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power would point out to you what that last verse says. That oftentimes whenever we as as spirit-filled believers, that whenever we look at the power and the glory of God, we often associate that with salvation. We associate that sometimes with deliverance. We associate that uh, with miracles, signs, and wonders. But Paul comes along and he says, I want you to know that there's something else that is here and that is this is that when the Spirit is working that there will be everlasting destruction that will come from the glory of His power. And so tonight I want to look here at these four verses here. I look in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I believe that whenever Paul is writing there, and if you're taking notes here tonight, that that verse speaks to the message of no condemnation. There is therefore, and there are Bible scholars that say that uh, when you come to that word, in fact, I remember when I was in Bible college, Brother Griffin would come to that word therefore, and he would always say you need to know what therefore is therefore. And so you look back. And what previously has been written there And Paul comes along and he says I want you to know this That that whenever we understand that there is a message Of no condemnation that comes to a saint Or a child of God Now all of us at times we struggle with condemnation It can work itself into our lives in a number of ways One of the ways that it comes into our lives sometimes Are by the men and women that we are exposed to They condemn saints And they cast false judgment sometimes at our direction And they, they attack us And they are hypocrites Because what they're desiring to do is to tear us down As children of God and bring them down to their level. Why? Because there's something in your life that is convicting the sin and the patterns that they are living by. In fact, James chapter 5 and verse 6 speaks to that matter and it says that there are those that, that literally are proud in their sins and they will do everything that they can to condemn. In fact, James says it like this, you have condemned and you have killed the just. And there sometimes can be a great hatred that is against the saints and the children of God. I believe that we live in an atmosphere like that in our society that has become hostile to Christianity. But, but there's no 
not only the fact that men are hypocrites can condemn us, there's times whenever our conscience can condemn us. In fact, your conscience can sometimes be the most critical part, that voice within that begins to speak to you that overrides every voice of reason and even sometimes the voice of Scripture and the voice of God that comes into our lives. And, and there is that matter that your conscience will condemn you over your performance. And I want to get into this again. Are our works important? Yes, they are. There are a number of times where that you see in the Scriptures that your works are important. But we have to understand that we are not saved by our works. And if the matter is this, is that if we are going to be saved by our works, we are not nearly good enough, nor have we done enough to even begin to warrant the what the price that the Lord paid for our eternal salvation. And yet the enemy knows that. And sometimes he begins to work and there can be no pain of body. Sometimes it is quite like the torment of a condemning conscience. But we also know that not only can men condemn us and not only can our conscience condemn us, but we also know that, that Satan condemns us that are in Christ Jesus. He's proud. He loves to sit on the judgment bench. He loves to get, as the book of Revelation says, that he is an accuser of the brethren and does everything he can to try to tear down and to destroy us. But Paul puts a word in there. He says therefore. He said I want you to know this. That when you start looking back through the book of Romans here's what you begin to understand. That because of the cross, therefore, there is no condemnation. Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, therefore, no condemnation. Because of the work of the Spirit, therefore, there is no condemnation. Because of the unfavorable verdict that sin placed in our lives is now gone, there is therefore now no condemnation. The penalty of our sin has been taken away and so therefore there is now no condemnation the faith that has been expressed by the spotless son of God now the condemnation has been removed in our lives but how did we get to that place place of condemnation some of that Brother Patterson spoke of this morning in our adult Sunday school class Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death was passed upon all men for that all have sinned John chapter 3 and verse 18 he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God Psalm 51 and 5 behold I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me Ephesians chapter 2 and verse Verse 3, among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But it is the grace of God. 
It's the grace of God that begins to work. And the grace of God begins to move into a place of action. Look at Psalm or Isaiah 53 and 6. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Speaks of a suffering servant there in Isaiah 53. The prophet comes along and says that every sin that you have been involved in, every sin that, that literally you should have the penalty of death on, now that has been placed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Micah chapter 7, you need to underline this in your Bible. Micah chapter 7 and verse 19, he will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou will cast all of their sins into the depths of the sea. Psalm 103 and 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 43 and 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out your transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember your sins put me in remembrance let us plead together declare thou that thou mayest be justified Isaiah 38 and 17 behold for peace I had great bitterness but thou hast in love to my soul you delivered it from the pit of corruption for you have cast all my sins behind your back do you grasp what the prophets are saying to us? Do you understand that every sin that you have committed, that whenever you experienced a new birth, that it was thrown into a sea of forgetfulness. It was thrown behind the back of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now Paul says it like this, that the condemnation, the penalty, the weight of guilt, the product of that judgment is gone and it's been removed from your life. And I, I would just, I would say here tonight, think about that, that we belong to the Lord. He told the church at Corinth, he said, you've been bought with a price. And so because you've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body because you're not your own. You do not belong to yourself, but you belong to God. And, and there is a part, I'm just going to tell you, church, tonight when you begin to meditate and to think about that, that we belong to God it's almost unbelievable that the Lord would save any of us here tonight. And, I, and I, I know I mentioned this morning growing up in the church and growing up in a very protected environment. But I'm going to tell you what, even amidst that protected environment, there was still a sin nature that was inside of me that the Lord saved me from just as he saved you from as well. And when you really begin to contemplate the value of, of salvation, then here's what you have to grasp and understand. 
that we belong to the Lord. I'll give you some homework. What you ought to do is you ought to take the first three chapters in the book of Ephesians and you ought to look at that small little preposition, that word in. A lot of times you're going to see where it says in Christ. You ought to underline that in all three in all three of those chapters. Just underline that phrase there. And you suddenly begin to realize what your identity is and who you are as a child of God. And the fact is, is this, is that whenever you get that in your mind and in your spirit, it brings power, it brings confidence, it brings a real, authentic faith into your life. Now you begin to say, I can't go out into that world and get involved in that because I belong to the Lord but look at Romans chapter 8 and verses 2 and 3 the Bible says there for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh So Paul comes along. He says, I'm going to tell you something. He said, there's an ability for you as a child of God to be able to live in a place where that you can walk victoriously and powerfully over the work that sin would try to bring into your life. So he says it like this, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it frees us from the law of sin and of death. That, that's not talking about the Mosaic law that's found in the Old Testament, but he's using it in a little bit different light. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to understand that you're free from the principle of sin and death that was brought to mankind overall. Because here the fact just as Adam and Eve were in the garden their sin has progressed down all these years 6,000 years that it's moved down the line and even though Adam and Eve were the ones that were guilty I can't say you know what it's their fault because the sin nature because of their failure is now present in my life and the only way that we are to be delivered is by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so therefore, we're no longer bound by a regulation that means that we have to face the penalty of what God's wrath is going to bring on those that are not saved. The New Living Translation says it like this, Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, Because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. There's other scriptures that you can find even in Romans chapter 8. Look down to verse 11. It says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead, if it dwells in you, He that raised up Christ, Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Romans chapter 8 and verse 39. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage.
There's times where that people would say, we, we, you, know, you better be careful about preaching that kind of stuff because people will go out and they'll get involved in, in doing whatever they want to do and to live their life in, in a way that's not pleasing to God. But one man said it like this. He said, the freedom that the Lord brings to us is complete and it's permanent deliverance from sin's power and its penalty. It gives us the ability to obey God. And then he says it like this. The very notion of a Christian who is free to do as he pleases is self-contradictory. A person that believes that salvation leads from law to license does not have the least understanding of the gospel of grace and can make no claim on Jesus Christ, lordship in his life, and certainly no claim that he is a disciple of the Lord. Romans 6 speaks to that. Are we going to continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. That's what Paul said. And yet there are times where that most spirit-filled believers, we have more of the spirit than what we ever realize. And I would just say this here to you tonight. That what we have to understand is that the matter is that whenever Adam fell in the garden. The poisonous impact of his sin, it moved into every one of our lives. And outside of the new birth, born of water and a born of spirit, that poison is not going to be relieved from our sin, from our lives. But there is an antidote to that sin. And that antidote is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a cross of Calvary. It is where that he bled out his life's blood for every child of God that is here tonight. And because of that, there's no condemnation. But look in verse 4. Here's what else Paul says. He says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And here's what I would say to you here tonight. When the grace of God begins to work in your life, that there is a matter of what we call holiness or sanctification that begins to progress in your life. Because look at what he says there in verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so what we have to understand is that the grace of God has been given to us for a reason. And that reason is so that every bit of the condemnation has been removed and ripped and torn out of our lives. I, uh, I'm skipping a lot. But this is part of the thing that I taught on Monday night there in Sacramento and uh, I was teaching and and just again two hours and then a 30 to 45 minute Q&A and then after that it was a testimony service and uh, I looked at those folks and I'm just going to tell you there was just a hunger that was on the inside of them for the word of God and just here again tonight 
we cannot afford to take our salvation for, for granted. You can't ever afford to get to the place where that you're not grateful for that salvation. Now I mentioned here this morning some of you were, were teaching Sunday school, so I'll rehearse one of those stories that I told, but it was one of the men that got up. I'm guessing he's in his well into his 30s, perhaps even as much as in his early 40s. And uh, he talked about, uh, and this was whenever we got into part about, I was talking about embracing holiness. And, uh, and, and he got up and, and began to testify and said that whenever he was 11 years old, he grew up in just a horrific situation. And uh, his parents at 11 years old gave him something to drink, alcohol. And by the time he was 13, he was drinking every day. And then whenever he was 14, 15, he started fooling around with drugs, which led to an incredible, horrific life. And, and somehow or another, he found that church about five years ago. And he said he realized that if he did not get into that church, that it was going to destroy his life, it was going to destroy his marriage, and was going to destroy his children. I sat there and listened to that, and I was just again, as I mentioned here this morning, you're blown away at the grace, the power of God. Four or five people had similar testimonies and all of them were just as moving. But there was young, one young woman, her name was Stephanie. And uh, she got up and uh, she started and she started crying. And she said, you have no idea how much that going through what Paul said about condemnation has just ministered here to me in my life tonight. She said, I grew up in a home that, that was violently abusive, that, that my dad, that, that he was involved in very much domestic abuse and, and uh, would just, just beat on their mother. And uh, then he started getting involved in voodoo and, and putting curses and hexes on his, his own wife. And you're like, how in the world? Do you do that kind of stuff? And uh, so she said that whenever she turned 18, she was determined. She was going to do everything she could to get out of that house. And so she said, I married somebody. And she said it was a horrible decision. She said, but I thought it was an escape. And she said, so I, I left and I got married. She said it wasn't too long into that marriage. She said before uh, he began to abuse her physically, mentally, Emotionally, just abuse that poured out of his mouth and from his fist. And uh, she said that somehow or another she decided she had to leave him. And so she left him and divorced him. And she said then she started getting out. And uh, she, she moved into the area of Wicca. Started getting involved with witchcraft. And, and uh, she started learning how to put hexes and curses uh, on people and and that led into another situation after she got involved in Wicca uh, is that she developed a, a, a lesbian relationship with somebody that was there in the Sacramento area and she said it's a thousand wonders that I didn't land up in Lavender Heights and after church was over I asked Brother Royer I said where, what is Lavender Heights he said, that's where all the, the homosexuals and the gays and the lesbians, he said, that's, that's where they land at. And she said she got into that. And she said, I was in a place that I was just miserable. 
And so she said, I, I called my mother. And she said, I told my mother, said, Mom, you, you've got you to help me. And she said, what, what is it? What all are you involved? And she just started telling her mother what all she was involved in. And this is what her mother told her. And I, I didn't get the rest of the story as to how that her mother knew this. But her mother told her, she said, she said, Stephanie, she said, your only hope is to get into a Holy Ghost fire church. She said, what is that, Mom? She said, well, I'm just going to tell you. She said, I don't know how to explain it. She said, but you'll know when you find it. And so she goes into a Walmart. And she gets into a Walmart and she just looks around and she sees a man and his wife there. And the lady is dressed, uh, she obviously is dressed modestly and holy. And so she goes over there and she says something to this man and, and his wife. And uh, she starts just saying, I, I've got to find somewhere. And uh, she said that they told her, they said, well, you need to go down to Higher Ground Apostolic Church there in Rio Linda. You need to get connected up with the Royers. And by this time, I mean, this, this young woman was weeping. And I'm sitting there again about where Brother Samuel's at. And I mean, it's just ripping my heart out to hear the, about the grace of God working in the lives and the hearts of people. And she said, I came into this church. And she said, I got the Holy Ghost. She said, but, but here's my problem. She said, because of my past, and because of the divorce, and because of the witchcraft, and because of being involved as a lesbian, she said, the devil wears me down with condemnation. She said, but when I started listening to you tonight, and you was going through these scriptures, she said, there was something that connected on the inside of my heart. And then I realized that I'm a child of God and that my identity is not what the devil would try to tell me. It's not what my flesh would try to tell me. But I am a child of God and that the condemnation has been removed and it's been taken away in my life. I was talking to Brother Pierce this morning after church, and uh, he grew up similar to what I did. I, except for my dad wasn't, and my parents were not uh, preachers, but uh, Brother Pierce grew up in a pastor's home, and he said kind of sheltered, kind of you know just just wherever. But but here's the fact: is that the work of sin, it doesn't matter whether you grew up in a protected environment or whether you have been out there and you've tasted of everything that the world has to do. I'm just going to tell you here tonight that we have to take the Word of God for what it says and to know this, that when you have been born again, when you have repented of your sins, when you have been baptized in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and whenever you have experienced and been filled with the Holy Ghost, if there is a part of you that has been born again and you're moving in the direction 
direction forward that every bit of the condemnation that the enemy would try to bring into your mind and into your spirit that the Lord has cut that thing down to the root and the the condemnation has been completely and entirely removed in, in our lives. I joke around with y'all sometimes about singing, and, and I wish I could sing. I wish I could sing this song to you. It's a hymn. It was written in 1834. It was called The Solid Rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Do you get what that says? That your flesh, that the enemy... He wants you to remember every mistake. He wants you to remember every failure. He wants you to remember everything that you have done. But if you have been born again, you stand faultless. Do you know what faultless means? It means it's been removed. It's been taken away. That you've been washed in the blood. That your mind and your spirit has been totally clean. Oh. Oh. That's right, Sister Tanya. Thank you. Y'all know where Sister Tanya come from? You know where Brother Adam come from? I was up here tonight watching Ja'Cory sing, and every time he sings a verse in a solo, it just, I mean, it does something to my heart because I know some of Ja'Cory's past. I know where God's brought him from. And by virtue of that, there are multiple people across this congregation tonight that I know where the Lord's brought you from. And you have to understand this, that every bit of that 
has been cast into the sea of forgetfulness and you've been washed in the blood. You've been cleansed by his power and by his strength. If there was any gratitude in your heart here tonight, you ought to lift your hands. You ought to lift your voice. You ought to say, oh, thank God that there's no condemnation. Thank God that you have saved me and pulled me out. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Let's stand to our feet. And I just want you to worship the Lord for a second or two, for a minute or two. That you just begin to worship God and thank Him that the penalty is gone. That the condemnation is gone. You ought to pray in the Spirit. You ought to worship in the Spirit. You ought to thank God for what He's done in your life here tonight. Jesus, let's entertain the presence of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord's here right now. The presence of the Lord is here. Think about where He's brought you from. Think about what He's forgiven you of. Think about what took place in your life when He filled you with the Spirit. And if you hadn't been filled with the Spirit, tonight would be a great night for the Lord to wash away every bit of your sin and to remove every bit of that away from you and to take it out of your life and out of your heart. The power of God is against every bit of the condemnation that you feel in your flesh and in your mind.
the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord. Oh, in the name of Jesus. 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 Go in the name, call on the name of the Lord, church. <laughs> oh, I thank you.